this evening. Our Holy Father, we are grateful for the rain that you have sent our way. We're thankful, Father, that you watered the earth and caused it to bring forth and bud so that we can have nourishment, we can have life. Lord, we thank you for every blessing and we acknowledge your greatness, your love, and your tremendous care for us. Lord, we're mindful of of so many on, on our list that's not feeling well, maybe facing procedures or surgeries or recovering and re- recuperating. You know their needs, O oh Lord. We pray that, that you would look after them and in the ways only you uh, can do. We thank you, O oh Lord, for the Holy Scriptures that we're able to open up. And we're so grateful, Lord, for, for your providence, your power, your overseeing um, abilities that has brought Uh, The word to us has preserved it for us, and we're so grateful, Lord. We pray that as we open your word, that we'll also open our hearts and you help us to see clearly the things that we can glean. Oh, Father, we don't know how to uh, express to you our gratitude for your love for us, the Tremendous uh, love and manifested on the cross. Oh Lord, help us to be ever grateful. Help us to grow uh, in that appreciation. Help us also to learn to love as you have loved us. We're thankful, Father, and we pray diligently for our families that meet here. We pray for our mommies and daddies. We pray for our, our little ones. We pray that everything may be well. We pray that most of all, Father, that souls will be prospering. We pray that the Word of God will find a ready home in the hearts of all of our little ones, our grandchildren, and especially those assembled in classes this evening. We're thankful for our servants here that that work diligently to have things prepared Uh, to share with our youth and with our little ones, and we pray your blessing upon them. And Father, now as we enter this class, we pray that as we thumb through scriptures relating to different themes, that we might be able to devote ourselves uh, more strongly under your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's be starting in Psalm number 148 this evening. Psalm number 148. This is my father-in-law's Bible that he took to India. It's a Nelson Bible. It's his favorite Bible. Look, Look how that does. Look how easy it opens. And, uh, a lot of value in that, especially when you're standing before people trying to find uh, scriptures. But um, so every once in a while, I like to drag it out and, and to reflect upon um, him and his work. Psalm 148. Our theme this evening is lessons that we can learn from angels. Lessons that we can learn from angels. Lesson number one is. God's creative power. 
God's creative power. And we're introduced to this in Psalm 148, if you'll, if you'll follow along. Psalm number 148. Starting in verse 1, Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him all His angels. Praise ye Him all His host. Praise ye Him sun and moon. Praise him, ye Him all you stars of light. Praise Him you heavens of heavens. And you waters that are above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord for He commanded, notice it, for He commanded and they were created. So who created the angels? Our Lord God. Our Lord God. Now let's make our way to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Nehemiah, Esther, Job. So Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6. Nehemiah 9, verse 6. Thou, even thou art Lord alone. Thou hast made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth and all things that are therein, the seas and all that is therein, and thou preservest them all, and the host of heaven worship thee. These hosts of heaven. There's another way of referring to the angels of heaven. So we learn more and we, we are reminded of the great creative power of God. So when did God create all things? When did God create all things? Yeah. Genesis. Genesis chapters 1 and 2. That first creation week. That first creation week. Now let's be reminded that only God... Only God is not created. Every other being is created. Only God. Only God has the fundamental attribute of eternity. God is fundamentally eternal. Everybody else, every other being is created. And God did his creation work uh, during that first week. So let's look at that. Exodus chapter 20. Run in your Bibles, if you don't mind, Exodus uh, chapter 20. This is, you might remember, this is a list of the Ten Commandments. And notice as an explanation is given concerning the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Notice verse 11, Exodus 20, verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is. Okay. So that certainly would include the angels. And rested the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Hallowed it. I like to read Colossians 1 16 along with Exodus 20 oftentimes because it speaks there of 
the creation and all things being created through Jesus. And it's a little bit more elaborate. So I'm going to read uh, Colossians 1 and uh, verse 16 as well. Colossians 1. Colossians, see, Colossians 1. For by him, verse 16, Colossians 1, 16, For by him were all things created that are in the heaven and are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things, all things were created by him and for him. So we, when we study angels, we are introduced once again to the creative power of God. Now, let's be turning our Bibles to the book of Hebrews. We'll be there uh, two or three times this week or this week, this evening. And, um, but um, be making your way over to the book of Hebrews just to notice this point here. And that is that when God created angels, he created them in, with a very distinct nature. A very distinct nature. Okay, so let's notice that as we run over to uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 1. For one thing, notice that angels are made lower than God himself, and that's, that's not surprising, but notice Hebrews 1 verse 6. Hebrews 1 verse 6. And again, when he brings the, the first begotten into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. So angels are lower. They're made lower than God. But then notice Hebrews 2 and verse 7 as the scripture is talking about how Jesus came to earth. And when he took on flesh, notice verse 7, Hebrews 2 verse 7. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor and didst set him over the works of thy hands. But man is a little lower than the angels. So angels have a distinct nature in that they're, they're not God, certainly, but in one sense they're a little bit higher than human beings. Okay? Because when you become a human, Jesus came to this earth, he was made a little lower uh, than the angels. Okay. Now, while you're right there in Hebrews, look at Hebrews 1.14. Hebrews 1.14. And notice concerning angels, they are called ministering what? Spirits. Spirits. That tells us quite a bit about the nature of angels because uh, in Luke 24.39, it's explained that a, that a spirit does not have flesh and bones. And Jesus was saying there, that's his resurrection time. He was saying, touch me, feel me. I'm not, I'm not a ghost. I'm not a spirit. A spirit has not flesh and bones. But this tells us quite a bit about angels. Okay. So God created them and he created them with a distinct uh, nature. Okay. And one other thing about the nature of angels and the, and the way God created them. In Matthew 22... Jesus explains that when we get to heaven, we won't be getting married and we won't be given in marriage, but we will be as the angels. I think that's Matthew 22, 29 and 30. Okay. We, heaven will be a place 
where the physical relationships will just not be there. Okay. So we begin in our study of angels this evening learning about the creative power of God. How often do you, do you sit down and think about that? What are some things that can help us be reminded of God's creative uh, power? I think that is something that we need to reflect upon quite often. David said in Psalm 8, 3 and 4 that when he went outside, when he went outside and tending the sheep at night, that he would observe the stars and the heavens and and how they were ordained of God. And they were the work of God's fingers. So um, observing the creation of God can help us uh, be attentive to God's creative power. And then reading these passages. I love to do that. Colossians 1, 16, Exodus 20, verse 11. Going back through Genesis chapters 1 and 2. It's a, it's a great thing. It's good for our soul be reminded just how powerful and strong and beyond our really imagination uh, how strong God is. Okay. Alright, so now let's be turning over to 2 Peter 2 and the second lesson is to be reminded of the power of sin. The power and danger of sin. And again, we're looking at angels, looking at 2 Peter 2 and verse number four, notice what um, Peter says. Some, would someone like to read that for us? Second Peter 2 and verse four. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness, to be reserved for judgment. Okay, so what does that tell us about angels? What does that verse tell us about angels? Okay. They're not perfect. They, they are um, very capable of sinning. They um, obviously were made with a free will. They could choose to serve God or they could find themselves, what does it say here, uh, in chains of darkness. Okay. So... They would receive temptation or evil thoughts from their uh, free will. In other words. Angels do work among Now, what is the definition of sin? According to 1 John 3, verse 4. You know the verse. Well, close. Just keep, keep at it. 1 John 3, 4, what does that say? Sin. King James Version here says, Sin is the transgression of the law. So, when it says angels sin... Obviously, God has some sort of law in place, does have a law in place, and angels that violate that um, then find themselves in chains of darkness. Okay. 
So we learn here the danger of sin. Even from angels, we learn about the dangers of uh, sin. What is the other way we sin? Other than by transgressing the law, what, what's another way that we sin? Omission. Omission. What verse is that, Mike? It's coming to you. Right, James. It's that one, that's right. James 4, 17. To, to him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. So an angel could sin either way. He could, he could violate the law of heaven or he could refuse to go on a mission uh, that God has sent him on. Either way, an angel uh, could sin. Now here in 2 Peter, Peter is really emphasizing to us and to his audience here, that God punishes sin. Okay? And the angels is just one example. Notice in verse 5, going back to 2 Peter 2, notice in verse 5 in 2 Peter uh, 2, he spared not the old world, but saved Noah, uh, the eighth person, who was a preacher of righteousness. So, there in Noah's time, God punished a sin. And then he brings up in verse 6, Sodom and Gomorrah from the book of Genesis. So again and again in 2 Peter 2, he's bringing up the fact that God punishes sin, even the sin of angels. Okay, now here's what Peter is really drilling in on. We just noticed from the book of Hebrews that man is made a little lower than the angels. So if God spared not the angels who are higher beings than us, then the, the logic there is he's not going to spare us who are lesser beings. Okay. And he's emphasizing that if we sin in any way, if we sin, God will punish that sin uh, that goes unforgiven. So that's, that's his point. So we learn from angels the, the power of sin and we learn of the danger of, of sin and uh, we see the destiny destiny of of angels that sin okay. alright another comment there Paul about this if we are among the few that are chosen to go to heaven we have free will in heaven and if so can we be thrown out of heaven like the angels So, do you think that we will have free will in heaven? You don't know? Our free will is choosing to go to heaven. Our free will is. Paul's asking once we get there, will we still have free will? That's a good question. I don't know that it's able to be answered. Go ahead. Yeah. It seems like the promise of heaven, kind of what Brent's going to here, is that the temptations will be taken away, the burdens will be taken away. It's going to be a reward, and there again, 
sense of being physical. It's, it's, there's some things about it we don't understand and can't understand. Right. But it's a reward because we have chosen properly here. Like Kay was saying, we exercise our free will here in, or, in order to be able to overcome. And those who overcome are able to sit there at his throne. But once we're there, I don't think God is telling us just a whole lot about what takes place when we get there. I don't think that, um, I don't think we're going to be twiddling our thumbs. We won't have thumbs. But. Another thing about angels is it's safe. We know that two had names. Is that to assume that all the angels had names? Sure. I would think that we're going to be able to speak with them. Yes. And who else? So, Satan, <coughs> Satan, diabolical Satan. The third lesson that, that was on my mind about angels is um, the blessing that we have uh, in that we have the gospel plan of salvation and they don't. They don't. We, we're seeing here from Second Peter 2 that it seems like once they sinned, they were cast in chains of darkness. But it doesn't appear that they have, um, it doesn't appear that our plan of salvation pertains to, to help them. It doesn't look like they have an avenue of redemption. Right. Let's look at this in Hebrews 2, closer. Yeah, Ken's saying they, didn't, they don't appear to have an avenue of redemption, uh, especially through Jesus. And this is what Hebrews is going to bring out for us. Titus, Philemon, Hebrews chapter 2. And letting our eyes go down to, uh, let's start in uh, 14. Hebrews 2 beginning in 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself, this is very important here, he also himself, Jesus himself, took part of the same flesh and blood that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. Verse 15, And deliver them who, through the fear of death, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now, verse 16, For verily he took not on the nature of angels, Jesus didn't, but he took on the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, verse 17, In all things, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that's us, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God, and that he can make reconciliation for the sins of the, of the people. Okay. So Jesus didn't take on the nature of angels, but the nature of man. You wonder why angels do not have a path of redemption through Jesus? I don't know that there is an answer to that, but have you ever wondered about that? Well, they're already in heaven, and they, they blew it. They blew it, <laughs> okay. Um, 
it could very well be that their, their closeness to God kind of makes sin inexcusable. That, that um, they should especially know better and once they fail, then, then um, they're cast out. Well, that's interesting to say. Kay's saying there would be no faith with angels because they see clearly. They see and they know. They know clearly and they're in the presence of God. That principle, Brent mentioning the principle in Luke 12 about uh, how Jesus says, to whom much is given, much shall be required. And they certainly, um, that, pr- that probably plays into God's uh, working with the angels. But if you're right there in Hebrews 2, we might as well notice, uh, just for, for the goodness of our soul, look at Hebrews 2 verse 9. Someone read Hebrews 2 verse 9 for us. So that's why we say here, and when you look at angels, we, we notice how blessed we are to have the gospel plan through Jesus. His goodness and graciousness brought Jesus here, and we have the opportunity to obey. Look in Hebrews 5, verses 8 and 9, about obedience. While you're right there, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. We wouldn't have that opportunity to obey had it not been for the grace of God and death of Jesus. Okay. So we are once again reminded of how good, 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 good God has been to us through his son. Okay. All right. So... Um, We'll move on here a little bit faster. Pa- uh, past, present, and future, uh, angels and their missions. Let's, let's learn a little bit about their missions. Let's think about their missions of the past, the, the kind of missions they did in Scripture. What, what do we find out? When you think about angels, and what kind of missions uh, did they go on? Maybe one thing we should have said up front a little while ago as we started, the idea of angel, the word angel means one sent. One sent. And so um, they are sent on missions. What, what, what do you think of when you think of missions the angel, angels took on? Uh, messengers. Think of messengers. Okay, well, what, what events come to your mind? Yeah, uh, there in Matthew 4, after Jesus successfully overcome the devil, the, the angels attended to him. Okay. Hmm? Yeah, they intervened in, in Sodom with, with Lot's uh, family. Okay. Stopping and bringing um, messages to Abraham. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, to stop the sacrifice of his son, Genesis 22. That's right. The angel. Elijah, when he looked on the hill, and he sent all those legions of angels. That's right. That's right. You can divide their missions up in two things. They deliver messages, and they do these other works of, of rescuing. We know that um, a certain angel come to tell Mary about her birth. Who, what angel was that? Okay, Luke one twenty six, Gabriel. Okay, but if you look into uh, the book of Acts, um, when you begin to read about uh, the eunuch and his uh, conversion, who was the preacher who was active in the conversion of the eunuch? Okay, it was Philip. If you look at Acts eight twenty six. It says, And the angel of the Lord spoke unto Philip and said, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto, unto Gaza, which is desert. He arose and went. So angels were very active in their messages. You can look over to Acts 10 and verse 3 and notice that an angel come. Cornelius, who was a devout man, and he was praying about the ninth hour of the day, the angel of God coming into him, saying unto him, Cornelius, and he gave him instruction about, instructions about the coming of Peter. What about rescues? Rescues in the Bible. What, how are angels involved in rescues? Which, what events come to your mind? Okay, if you're right there in Acts chapter 12, you know that a, an angel came in. Peter was in prison, a very tense situation there in the early church. Uh, Herod had already killed James, and he saw that pleased the Jews, and so he got his hands on Peter. Peter was in prison, but during the middle of the night, the angel came and, and helped release him. Okay. And of course, we remember from the book of Daniel, what about Daniel and, and angels? Yeah, if you, haven't, if you don't have that underscored in your Bible, in Daniel 6 and verse 22, where the angels shut the mouths of the lions, well, that was a great mission of angels. Okay. So looking at the missions of angels, you think about the past. What about our future ahead of us? What are angels going to do for us in our future? Okay. All right, they escort our soul according to Luke uh, 16. If you want to mark that, Luke 16 and verse 22, uh, when, when Lazarus died, the angels came. When the beggar died, and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. So you and I have an angel in our future, for sure. Okay. One, one way. It just kind of left that kind of drab, didn't it? 
Yeah. What about the guardian angels? Okay. Let's look um, to Matthew chapter uh, 13. Notice the how busy angels will be on Judgment Day. Somewhat of an unpleasant task, but the angels must do what God has commanded. Verse 40, we'll just pick up right in the middle of this uh, little scenario Jesus is given about the, about the tares. Verse 40, Matthew uh, 13. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned up in the fire, so shall it be uh, in the end of this world. The Son of Man, verse 41 shall send forth his angels and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity and shall cast them into a furnace of fire and there shall be the wailing and gnashing of teeth. So that will, some angels will be assigned that particular role on, on Judgment Day. Notice out of the kingdom, out of the kingdom, we've learned on Wednesday nights, uh, several times, the kingdom is the Lord's church. Okay. And there are folks that, that are associated with the church but are not faithful to God. And um, God knows what's going on in the hearts and lives of people. And so some will be um, uh, cast out of the kingdom, and the angels will have that uh, to do. So if you look at the past, they had some missions. Now in the future, um, they have some missions. Let's think about the present here before our time goes away. Okay. What, what do angels do for us now? Okay. Going back to Hebrews 1, uh, 14, you get a good clue there. At least it's a statement about what they do for us now. Hebrews uh, chapter 1 Someone read that for us again when you get there. Hebrews 1 and 14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Okay. So that would be speaking of us there in the last part of that verse. Those who shall inherit salvation. I love the word inherit. Okay. Don't you, don't you just love that? That's that so packed with meaning. You know, um, who gets the inheritance from a father? The children. How do we become children of God? Okay. The new birth process. You know, obeying God, baptism, water, become children of God, faithful to Him as children. He, we, we become heirs. Doesn't Romans 8 talk about being joint heirs with Christ? Joint heirs with Christ. It's just amazing the kind of, of honor God is anxious to place upon us. That is a place of honor that we don't deserve for sure, but joint heirs with Christ. So we're headed to heaven. Okay. They work in behalf of those who are going to inherit eternal salvation. Salvation has two senses. We're saved now. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. We're saved now. But we're going to enjoy an ultimate salvation one day. We've got to remain faithful. But there's that eternal salvation, heaven itself. 
And you recall that Peter says in 1 Peter 1 and 4 that to an, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you. See, heaven is an inheritance for the children of God. And when you think about all that God has in store for us, then it's not surprising that he would be sending forth his angels to do service for us as we live here now. So how do they accomplish all this service that they're doing for us? Well, we know it's not by miracles. Now, Cornelius is in the ninth hour there and he's praying and and an angel comes and actually speaks to him. Well, that's not going to happen to us today because we're not living in the days of miracles. But does that mean that angels do not work at all? And I don't believe it means they don't work at all on our behalf. It seems pretty clear that they do. Okay. But it's the, you know, we don't see God working, but we know He works. We believe in the providence of God. We believe that He works in our behalf. We strongly believe that. So why can't God use His angels as ministers of His providence in behalf of His, his children? Not that we would know when he's doing what, but it certainly is, should be reassuring to us. Anyway, Mike made reference to Matthew 18 about, um, well, some would call it guardian angels. Um, You can do your own interpreting there, but Jesus does say this, uh, beginning in verse uh, 10. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father who's in heaven. Okay. So these little ones, whoever they are, have their angels who are beholding the face of the Father who is in, in heaven. Okay. So When you look at verse 6, Matthew 18, Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for him that a millstone was tied about his, hung about his neck and he was cast into the depths of the sea and drowned. So evidently, the little ones here refer to two believers, followers of God. So <coughs> angels, uh, as Hebrews 1.14 says, angels are working in behalf of those who follow uh, God. But they're ministering spirits. The spirit doesn't have flesh and bones, so we can't expect to see them doing this or that, but we can be assured that God is working in our behalf. Okay. Does that make sense? Is that, is that too radical of a view? Or does that make sense? Does that fit Scripture? Pretty good. Do you believe in the providence of God? Do you believe, Brother Larry, the providence of God? So, God is at work, even now. You know, angels, when you look at angels, you can learn about some false things. What if somebody looked at you and said, you don't believe in angels, do you? I mean, that's like believing in Santa Claus and his elves. What are you going to say to them? What's wrong with sand in his elves? 
absolutely. If somebody's mocking us because we believe in angels, we, we say, well, the testimony of Scripture tells us that angels are real. And we encourage them to start reading the testimony from the Scriptures. That's a good... I guess we need to, well, it's just, I guess you're saying stay safe and know that God works, but you can't really say that this is. that confuses a lot of people because they expect that if there are angels then why don't we see them? Why aren't they working like they used to work? Right. Can you give a good summary of what, how the providence of God is different from miracles of God? She says, God has seen me through this. I'm going to agree with her. Because, you know, anything that's good, God gets credited with anything that's good. Yes. But one thing is, don't let people push you around because you believe in angels. They're going to try to compare them to elves and leprechauns and that kind of thing. And, and, uh, yeah, the, 
Larry's referencing the, the angel to the church at Laodicea and Philadelphia and those others in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. And it's, I guess it's possible. What do you think? Oh, James 5, 16 and 17. Yeah, James 5, 16 and 17. That's a good one to refer to. I'm confused. If, if someone's a Christian, why would they have an objection to you believing in the existence of angels? Well, there, but a lot of, when people do not believe, then that's one thing they use is, is you expect me to believe in a God that, that, that talks of angels, you know, they, they put them in the same category as these other fairy tales. Okay. Yeah. That's just somebody that's not doing anything. You know, here, here's a thought. Yeah. What else have you? Yeah. Quick thought that I had. When, when Jesus was a duck, he said, I could call legions of plural of angels. So we know there's a bunch of them. When Jesus cast the demon out, he said, what's your name? He said, I am legion. So there was a bunch of them that one person. Mm-hmm. And we look back to Kings, one angel. Okay. Well, Hebrews one fourteen. The, the he says, "Send forth." In fact, the verb there means he continues to send them forth. To to to. Well, we just don't know. They're, they're working now. No, it's, it's behind the scenes. It's, it's invisible, but it's real. Just like God is real. Is God, is God through working miracles? It's not what I meant for you to say. A child is born every day. I think that's that's more natural, Matt. Well, that's a good point. There you go. Still natural. It's just remarkably natural. Judgment Day itself will be a miracle, won't it? And this earth burns up. And time is no more. <laughs>